Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, April 8, 2016. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 4, and we are on page 51, the last paragraph. Today's readers are Janice M., Deb W., and Nancy H. The reference number for Thursday, April 7th, is 8636. That's 8636. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Du L to read the 12 steps. 12 steps. One, we right. admit we're powerless over food and that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all the persons we have had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to the compulsive overeater and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Du. I will now ask Martha D. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Martha D., a recovered compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, 
An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Martha. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on, if everyone could please stay muted, that would be very helpful. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing. And then you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, chapter four on page 51, the last paragraph. I will ask uh, Janice M to begin reading and she will read the last paragraph and then the first paragraph on 52 and we will focus our comments on that first paragraph on 52. Janice M, thank you. Yes, and thank you so much. And uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Janice M and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. We asked ourselves this, are not some of us just as biased and unreasonable about the realm of the spirit as were the ancients about the realm of the material? Even in the present century, American newspapers were afraid to print an account of the Wright brothers for a successful flight at Kitty Hawk. Had not all efforts of flight failed before? That's not me, so. Did not Professor Langley's flying machine go to the bottom of the Potomac River? Was it not true that the best mathematical minds had proved man could never fly? Had not people said God had reserved this privilege to birds? Only 30 years later, the conquest of air, of the air, um, was almost an old story and airplane travel was in full swing. But in most fields, our generation has witnessed complete liberation of our thinking. 
Show any longshoreman a Sunday supplement describing a proposal to explore the moon by means of a rocket, and he will say, quote, I bet they do it. Maybe not so long either. Well, is not our age characterized by the ease with which we discard old ideas for new, by the complete readiness with which we throw away the theory or gadget, which does not work, for something new which does? <laughs> yeah, very, very simplistic, that first paragraph on page 52. What the big book is teaching uh, me, what I got from this is uh, through my experience, you know, things did not work in my life. Well, because why? Because I was always in control, especially, you know, did I not, with my experience, throw away a certain food plan? Didn't I, because it didn't work, so what did I do? I searched for another food plan. Did not a sponsor work for me, in my mind, my thinking, so what did I do? I changed to find another sponsor that would work. What about meetings? Oh, I didn't like that meeting, so I'm going to go get another meeting. And, you know, um, a can opener um, in my kitchen, it didn't work. I didn't say, well, you know, let me just, I'm going to try to fix it. I'm going to try to, because I couldn't fix anything. Um, you know, what did I do? I threw it out for an electric one. So this is what it's teaching us is to just open our minds, you know, a little bit. And, um, and when I am helpless about a certain gadget, a certain food plan, about my disease, um, when I am helpless and I come to a point of powerlessness, then I have to say, I've got to do something else. And that's what I did. You know, I had to go many decades looking and searching and searching. Nothing worked. worked. Self-reliance did not work for me. So what did I do, Janice? Open my mind a little bit when I came to OA to see something was working in others. And it was a constant, you know. How did they get there? What did they do? And little by little, I, had the, I, I prayed for the willingness because I didn't always have it. So I had to pray for the will to be willingness. And some days <laughs> I still do that. Um, so uh, yes, yes, yes. Is not our age characterized by the ease in which we discard old ideas? I think each one of us, if we don't like a particular dress or, or whatever it is, we discard it for a new one. So what it says here to me is, you know, there's a, a, a certain path here. Begin with willingness. Begin with willingness for me. And then I became, I, I, I started to believe. I started to believe. And that's the prerequisite of having faith for me or a spiritual awakening. Then I made a decision. But see, it's a process. And everyone that follows this path thoroughly will, will get a spiritual awakening if they do the actions. And we will, and I got the result of the spiritual awakening. Um, I was always looking for results, <laughs> always looking for results, thought I could do it, but I couldn't. So when my mind became open to some new idea, especially the God idea worked for people in this program, and it has worked for me. So try it. Why not try it? You'll like it. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Who would like to share on this second paragraph? I mean, the first paragraph on page 52. Paul D. Tina S. Melissa Reva P. C. Reva P. Melissa C. 
I got you, Melissa, Tina, Paula, Reva P. Okay. Okay, let's go with that. Paula D, you're up. Then Tina, Melissa C, Reva P. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service today. This would be Paula D, currently in Florida, a compulsive overeater recovered by and with the grace of God. Well, I'll stop right here in the beginning, and it uses the word but. You know, when I first read this book, and I'm going to be very clear here as we zero in on this paragraph, jeez, look how old it is. I mean, come on, 1939? And you see, I can only see the differences. But look at here as we read that first line. But in most fields, our generation, wait. I'm coming to today. Our generation has witnessed. We've seen it. I mean, how many of us are on iPads? How many of us are on cell phones? Who would think? Complete liberation of our thinking. And there it is yet again. We always have to go back there to our thinking. It can't be. But it is. It is. Can I come to the place of saying recovered? But it is. And it goes on. And it tells you about people at that time. And we're going to come forward a bit here. And we're seeing even here the differences in today. But I want to go back to, and I want to, well, let me scoot on down to that last line. Is not our age come here with me today? 2016, I would think. Characterized. Now, there's a character. By the ease with which we discard old ideas for new. Oh, yep. Old ideas for new, not known before. Not known before. I always say, I love Mr. Mr. Webster, the way he explains it. I didn't know. If you had said me I'd be holding a phone into my ear, walking around the house with it, having so many capabilities, was a tough. By the complete readiness with which we throw away the theory or gadget, which does not work. This is why we're here. This is why we meet for something new, not known before. So there I put away my old ideas for that that is new. My old thinking, my old thinking that was a pattern that went round and round for one. That started down but went up. For which does and that it does, and that I can attest to, as it says here, because I have witnessed. And thank you for allowing me this time to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And Tina, I'm sorry, I don't know the initial of your last name. You can go next. Thanks, Katie. Tina S., Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Well, you know, one of the things I love about this meeting is that the solution is the same, and what I heard so far is the same solution, maybe in different words, and that's just fabulous. Uh, I know I'm in the right place. You know, and it talks about in our generation, it says most, you know, most. And it, it also talks about being witness. We witness this. And, and um, for myself, you know, uh, the freedom from fixed ideas, we throw away the old theory or the gadget, you know, for one that doesn't work, for one that does. And, you know, and that just happened for me, but it took a long time. You know, there was, it took a long time for the surrender, the exhaustion of all the old ideas, you know. And, uh, and when I came to Overeaters Anonymous initially, you know, I still had to try some more 
you know, that I'd learned from other places. And, and when they were finally exhausted, you know, I, w- I was willing to do something different. And, you know, and I'm told today if I want something different, I have to do something different. It isn't about thinking or seeing different. It's doing different. And, and you know, when I, and, and I saw that the, that the new ideas being practiced in the 12 steps work for other people, like it's already been said, you know, and I became willing, you know. And, and the only way I was willing is I was defeated, um, you know, to try it for myself. And, you know, the good news today is what I'm trying on a daily basis, one day at a time, and growing spiritually works. And if I don't pick up the food today, uh, you know, I got a shot. And, um, and through the 12 steps, you know, my life has been transformed. And, and that's, that's a, a freedom today that I, that I want to continue one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Melissa C., you're up, and then Reva P. Hi, good morning, Kate. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overheater in New York. And um, I just, you know, I just love the way that it's written. I just love this. But, um, you know, liberated in my thinking. And, and I laugh because um, yeah, I'm so liberated. I've always thought I'm so, I'm free. You know, I, I, I drove cross country and saw the great today. You can't get more liberated than me and, and my family. And yet, you know, I was actually, my thoughts actually did the opposite. I wasn't liberated by my thinking. I was enslaved by my thinking because I thought my thinking was the end all and be all. And, um, you know, and, yeah, I have no problem, and I've had no problem trading in old gadgets for new. You know, cell phones, I've got iPhones, I have, um, you know, and, and it's, you know, all I need is, them, is my iPhone to say it's time for an update. I have no problem pressing that button and updating. My entire music collection, you know, went from albums, cassettes, CDs, and now it's all on a phone, and yet... I could not apply the same thinking um, to my life, you know, to get, um, to trade in my old ideas for new. And, um, you know, and so I was thinking this morning, why was I so quick to trade in um, and update my phone and do things? Because I believed I had a faith, you know, in technology that it was going to make it better. And that's exactly what happened here, you know, in my program, is that um, I was desperate. I was in pain. Um, I clearly knew my way was working. And I heard that there was a solution, and I began to have faith that this was going to make it better. And and it was just that simple. You know, and so the big switch for me is that um, my thinking, you know, is not – What's going to liberate me? It's um, it's faith in a higher power. It's actually divorcing myself from my thoughts and um, giving myself over to a solution that's outside of myself. And thank you, and that I'll have. Thank you, Melissa C. Reva P., you're up. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. As we read this paragraph, I remember that when I first went through these um, portions of the big book, I didn't really pay much attention. Um, I didn't understand why they were giving me all these examples of inventions and things that you know were discarded for the new. Um, and I need to smile to myself and have a bit of 
sense of humor about this because I can read this and I can agree with everybody who's sharing. And yet, I now understand why Bill is writing the this over and over and over, giving me the same message so that I can finally get get it um, because I tend to be really stubborn in my thinking even though I don't think I am. So um, last night um, I was so sure of a certain um, course of action. I was so sure and I ended up arguing with my son, arguing with my husband because I was so sure. Um, and only later in the evening did it occur to me that maybe it could be different. And it's the same thing that they're talking about to throw out or discard one idea and instead of saying it has to be this way which is what I did with the food which is what I did with my life I know and I'm going to figure it out maybe not Um, and we agnostics I don't know I don't know in the moment that there's another way Um, and the only way I come to this knowing and changing my thinking is by doing the steps um, and seeing the pattern over and over of how I get stuck in one line of thought um, and it does not serve me well. And that contrast between the shackles um, and the bondage of my thinking versus the complete liberation. um, And that's what I see in people who have worked the steps and have come to the other side. And it doesn't say complete liberation in our food or in the substance. It's in my thinking. And I only get that by doing the work. Um, and then I come out the other side. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Reva. Who else would like to share on this uh, paragraph? Katie G. from Boston. Berta F. Berta F. Lauren S. Lauren S. And who was that? A gentleman. Chris B. Chris B. And Vasa O. Thank you. So we will start with Katie G. Berta F. Lauren S. Chris B. And Vasa O. Go ahead, Katie G. Okay, Katie, can you hear me? Yes. Katie? Okay, sorry. Um, Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, Recovered Anorexic and Bulimic uh, Compulsive Reader, Boston Mass. Yeah, I love, love, love these paragraphs. And um, I remember when my sponsor, because I too was like, what? I don't get it. And then she was like, well, what happens when your vacuum breaks? And basically what happens is I panic and I run out to the store and buy a new one, like, cause it's not working. Right. And, um, you know, thank God today I can identify as recovered just for today, but I feel like my work in a lot of ways is just beginning, like, um, demonstrating my entire abstinence in all areas of my life and then working the steps and, um, you know, one of the things I do with my, my friends and my sponsor is I welcome spiritual considerations. And there have been a lot of really good examples, but I just, I needed to chime in. It's like, so my mom is coming to see me and um, I did a turnaround this week 
and someone said, what if instead of like figuring out where you might have to bring in God and anticipate, you know, the negative things and how you're going to, you know, show up, what if you tell me the things that you love about your mom? Tell me, you know, um, like the good things that she's brought to you. And so for me, this is like a daily, like, boom, like my thinking gets blown open you know, it's we've mentioned it this week, it's the set-aside prayer. And um, you guys, I grew up like Katie G, the I know girl, the don't tell me, don't help me, don't whatever. And today when I do my turnarounds, because when I'm fearful, I tell myself lies and I get angry. I do the turnarounds because I want that spiritual breaking open. I want to see... How do I need, what store do I need to go to? How, how do I, who's got the, who's got the, like, who's got the God message for me? Um, a few months ago, someone on this line, I was doing a turn about the wedding, and someone said, what if the wedding isn't about you or your dress or the cake? It's about getting closer to God. And I was like, what? And um, it's so amazing, right? Because, you know, I came in here brutalized by anorexia, bulimia, compulsive overeating, the fundamental belief that I was wrong and bad and couldn't do it. Um, I went through years of um, tooling myself to death um, when I was newly abstinent and, um, and not doing the steps. And today, you know, I work every aspect of this program and I know when I need a new way of looking at things. I know when I need a new gadget and I am so blessed and doing it all with you because I need to continue to be uh, to uncover, discover, and discard the pieces of self that continue to block me um, on a daily basis. And I'm doing it with you guys. And with that, I pass. Thank you, KDG. Berta F., you're up. And then Lauren S. This is Berta. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is Berta F. in Illinois, gratefully recovered just for today. And this paragraph is really interesting approach to uh, changing my mind a little bit as a new person. I remember reading this paragraph, too, and thinking, yeah, that was a long time ago, ha, ha, ha. Maybe they'll fly someday, and yeah, now they have airplanes. And what if they could have a a rocket go into space? And I thought, boy, this is really dated, but it's not dated. It's about me. It's not about people back in the 1930s, these alcoholic men. It's about me. And, you know, so when I read this book, I personalize it for my experience because it has to be that way for me because my only other solution was hundreds of them in the past. So, you know, I'd say, well, yeah, maybe someday we can have this thing that we now have today, but even when we have it, well, I don't have to use it. And what got me stuck was the the intellect of my mind rejecting the idea that this higher power thing would work for the food. Because certainly I assumed 
that the higher power I had used before, my own intellect and my own ideas, that they had worked after all, right? Well, all those different food plans and diets and books and solutions that I came up with, none of them had a permanent effect. So they really didn't work, but I couldn't see my way past that. So I start here in this process with a mind that's not real open and fairly engaged in the debate. And once I surrender and give up the debate, let go of all my old ideas, have an open mind and say, maybe, 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 maybe there is a power greater than me. And I'm willing to believe in that. And that opens the door to me to a new way of living, a new life, a new joy and a new happiness that I celebrate today. Thank you for letting me share. Pass. Thank you so much, Berta. Lauren S., you're up. And Chris B. Hi, I'm Lauren S., as in Sam. I'm a compulsive letter eater in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, we agnostics. I... I believe before that the word we um, is just proof of when I feel like I'm in quote-unquote recovery. Um, And a weird paradox (laughs) seems to follow my life um, in the 25 and a half years of living that goes along with that we and goes along with feeling and working in recovery is the past four years of being in OA seemed to come with times of feeling pretty good spiritually and with the food and binging and restricting and um, other addictive behaviors, they weren't even part of my thoughts or part of my actions. But I felt this sense of isolation, and um, it seems to manifest in feeling lonely and feeling fat, and it it goes along with not um, using practical daily disciplines through that that I learned through fellowship and liter- the literature in the fellowship that break me down and actually make me a part of a we and as a side product I don't feel fat and I don't feel lonely and encouraging those feelings I'm I'm not lonely and I'm not fat because I'm usually working a structured way of eating and work and um, moving my body and I'm also serving a purpose of being with others and helping them um, and that's in and out of OA So I have beautifully received a lot of humor in how I view myself and how I view OA and being in a 12-step group. And something that makes me laugh a lot is that prayer of just like, whatever, whatever, God, is it possible that I'm wrong and... (laughs) We agnostics is, for me, like the motto of my life. Like, it's almost hilarious that I 
um, you know, I'm human and I think I know things, but the fact is, is it possible that I'm wrong? And I'm going to close my share with this quote that I heard from this speaker, and it was about the steps, and he said, there is no step in the book that says, let's look at where you're right. So it's not to be hard and brutal and mean about the person that, you know, Lauren Saggio is. It's about looking at me with a humor, a humility, and just saying, is it possible that I'm wrong here? And if I am, that's pretty cool because I can live a different reality soon, soon. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Um, Chris B., you're up, and then Vasa O., and then we will move on. Okay? Thank you. Hi, this is Chris B. in St. Louis, a compulsive reader. It's great to be here. Thank you for all your shares, and um, I am continually humbled that I want all the answers, and uh, I definitely don't have them. I, this uh, reading is, is amazing. I used to think... Uh, kind of get away from the big book meetings. Like, no, that's not, you know, my path. I've lost 200 pounds here in OA, and I'm good to go through step four and five. And um, the best sponsor recruiter uh, on the planet. Like, uh, (laughs) I um, wanted it my way, Uh, be sponsored my way, programmed my way, and it just was killing me. this thinking that we're talking about liberating ourselves from, uh, it, it's hard. It was a, the hardest thing. It felt like I was dying to uh, <laughs> to actually say, you know, I'm wrong. Uh, my pride is um, is being challenged here. My ego is being challenged. Uh, my best thinking, 30 years of fitness, exercise, nutrition, all these things that I uh, plugged and played with. And... Uh, made it my career, all these things that are just ridiculous, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. It was killing me. My best thinking got me back into the food. You know, my mind, I was taking credit for it. My arrogance was all that was killing me. And, um, it just, again, my best thinking got me next to homeless from food, from, uh, becoming bulimic, uh, over 400 pounds of actively binging and purging. Um, and then 200 pounds down and four years in a program and thinking, what's next? Um, got me to this wonderful big book and a sponsor. <laughs> Wasn't going to hear it. That was going to challenge my ego and make me feel uncomfortable. And uh, that's right where growth was. Um, you know, all these things, like, I, I thought I needed once I lost the weight. Uh, insatiable girlfriend, not good enough. Um, high rise luxury apartment. What else you got? Uh, more money you ever had. Not good enough. I mean, are these things that were a spiritual path ultimately to test my thinking? And I'm just grateful for it. it saved my life. Uh, a little over a year ago, brought me to the big book and to step one and to surrendering to the times I eat and how much I eat. <laughs> a food plan. It's like, oh my God, I something's gonna happen. Like uh, some. Avocados are going to be $20 a pound. You know, I can't do it. They, it just was all blocking my uh, my thinking and my recovery, and I'm ultimately glad I surrendered. And um, just grateful to be with you all and not be alone this morning with that at pass. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Chris B. Vasa O, you're up. Yes. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. And I am Vasa O, recovered compulsive over calling from Florida. And uh, I was agnostic, even pulling to eight years before I came to the program of Overeaters Anonymous. I grew up in a communist country for the first 14 years in my life. I did have some church experiences because my father was a priest. But, you know, we were taught in in school there's no God, and people were being very prosecuted because of hearing of God and churches. And so there was a lot of stuff. So anyways, but I had been struggling with the food addiction for 25 years, and I had experience with bulimia, anorexia, binging, not binging. I mean, I had to do them all those things, you know. And uh, I was at the end of the rope, you know. There was I gave in into the food. There was nothing more that worked for me, so I just gave in in the food. Finally, God sent somebody. I didn't know God in those years, you know. I felt that he sent me a messenger to my house and um, she 12-stepped me for about a, one week before she took me to my first meeting. So she told me a little bit about the program and um, I, she said, you got nothing to lose. Just be open-minded to go when you go to your first meeting. And I did go. Thank God it was not in a church. It was in at the hospital somewhere and, you know, it wasn't in the church basements, you know, because I probably would have run out the fear of God. I was also afraid of God, afraid of the devil, I was afraid of everything. But anyways, um, I was ready. I just was so ready and willing. I remember saying, I, you know, she's, I had to put the old ideas and, and, and intelligence that I tried to use, how to put the food, and I always went back. I could never keep it down. But coming, I felt at home going to the first meeting. I could hear people were talking about the same thing I was. I felt at home right from the beginning. It was just awesome. And then somebody gave me this big book. Here is the solution. Here is the recipe. I'm a cook. I could have made a lot of money on being becoming a chef, you know. So uh, I could follow recipes, you know. And uh, I said, wow, you know, it was just amazing. If I followed the directions, the way they're laid out in this big big book, and I would, you know, I would succeed like the other hundred people that had gone before me. And I was ready and I was willing. And I had learned about the allergy. I had learned about the mental obsession. Uh, I, it's right here, you know. Just follow the direction. I mean, this is the easiest thing. It was hard because for me to put the foot down was torture, but as long as I followed the direction, prayed to God, and I did surrender to God. You know, even though I didn't know God, I didn't know what this God was, what he was going to do to me, but I did surrender, and that was the beginning. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. Amy G., you're up. Great, Katie. Thank you. Thanks for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you, everyone who shared. You know, this whole idea of the, the new gadgets, out with the old and in with the new, and I, like others, have said, you know, uh, it was relatively easy to let go of, you know, all these new thing, old gadgets for the new because, you know, people had proven and showed me and 
And, um, you know, but what is the difference when it came to, you know, my compulsive overeating? And for me, it was, it was my ego. It was ego, my self-reliance, my self-will, uh, my warped thinking when it came to this disease specifically, my mental obsession and my unwillingness to let go because I thought I just needed to find the right fix and use my willpower and my intellect and my knowledge, even in Overeaters Anonymous, to change what it was I was doing with the food. But again and again, it's being reinforced in this chapter that this is not a physical malady. This is not even an intellectual malady. This is a spiritual malady. I tried to fill the hole in the soul, the hole in my soul, with a knife and a fork. I had no idea about the mental obsession and my twisted thinking that, in actuality, my intellect was a liability when it came to recovering from compulsive overeating. If I was a true compulsive overeater. I mean, they say step one is the problem and step two is the solution. I needed a power greater than myself, but as long as I was going to keep myself as the greater power, I was going to continue to put binge foods into my mouth because of my self-reliance and my self-will and my twisted thinking. It talks about this so better than me on page 72 in in the AA 12 and 12. For just so long as we were convinced, or I was convinced, that I could live exclusively by my own individual strength and intelligence, for that, for just that long, was a working faith in a higher power impossible. This was true even when we believed God existed. We could actually have earnest religious beliefs and remain barren because we were still trying to play God ourselves. And that was exactly the case for me. I could take new gadgets and replace things, but when it came to my ego and my will and my self-reliance, it had to be completely crushed by this disease before I was willing to be open at least to this idea of a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity because I needed that power. Otherwise, this disease was going to take me down. And it was only by humbly surrendering to those who had gone before I mean, the beauty of these last couple of paragraphs, when we talk about the Wright brothers, you know, they were going against no proof, everyone not believing. But here we are on the line. We have proof. We have people that are on the line day after day saying, here is the path through the 12 steps. We have the proof. We have the fact that if we follow these simple instructions, you too can recover. We all can be recovered by the grace of God in this program. All we have to do is be willing to surrender our egos and our stinking thinking and be willing to take action, even if it's to act as if and be willing to believe in something greater than ourselves. That's all we need is a little willingness and some surrender. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Amy G. Um, And Deb W., will you please read the second paragraph on page 52? Good morning. This is Deb W., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply our human problems, this same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Was not a basic solution to these bedevilments more important than whether we should see newsreels of lunar flight? Of course it was. 
And so, you know, this is a very, um, this is a place that a lot of times we go back when we're working with sponsees. And, uh, you know, I have in my margin bedevilments. And it's the basically where I was at that point in my life. You know, I didn't, not my professional life, not my life uh, with education, not my life, you know, with titles or whatever. It was where I was getting there. You know, all these broken relationships on this side or that side of my family and my friends, all the ups and the downs and the anger and the the depression and the sadness that I couldn't link to anything but outside problems. People out there were doing these things to me, you know, I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying to be, you know, an intelligent person. I'm trying to do this thing and that thing to achieve. But I I was not able to look around me. I was I couldn't see the forest for the trees. I couldn't see that there the problem was inward. It wasn't outward, you know. My default button always fell back to these bedevilments. And and what this big book is telling me as I'm working my steps, that I can turn the page. I can have a whole new idea. And and when I looked on page um, five, some some, uh, background noise. I'm going to keep going. When I look on page 85, I have a total new view of my thought process. This is the promises that we have once we begin to see what is behind the addictions, what is behind what I'm using, what is behind my restless, irritable, and discontent. That's what the bedevilments are. But guess what? I can turn the page and see the promises. This is what I'm going to get if I keep moving through these steps. And it starts at the bottom of page 84. It says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor or food. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. And we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given to us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We are not fighting, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We had not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. This also doesn't only speak for the drug of choice. It speaks for the place I am in life. You know, I have a different default button. My default button is not misery and depression. My default button is what not what others have done to me. My default button is peace and serenity. When I'm out of peace and serenity, I'm disconnected 
and today, I don't want to be there. I don't want to see what you did to me. I want to see what is going on inside of me and how to quickly get to the place that God would have me be, how to see a thing from a different perspective. It's not out there. It's inside of me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Deb W. We have time for two shares on this paragraph. Nancy H. from Massachusetts. Monica. Nancy H. from Massachusetts. Monica. Okay, Nana, Nancy H. and Monica. Monica. I'm sorry, T. I can't think of what you, T is in toy. Okay. Na, did you say Nancy H.? I'm sorry. Yes, I'm, I did. Okay. <laughs> Nancy H. and Monica T. Please go ahead. Okay, I'm Nancy H., a recovering compulsive overreader from Massachusetts, currently in the process of finishing my nine-step amends, I'm happy to say. This paragraph really resonated with me because the, develop, develop, the bedevilments that are described here explained exactly what my life was before I embarked on this big, put, big book step study process. And they describe exactly the opposite of the promises that are described on pages 83 and 84. Um, we're halfway, you know, we're, we're supposed to receive these promises halfway through our amends, which I'm starting to see. I used to think I was in charge of my life and that I had the answer for all my family members. And if they could only do just what I asked them to do and get take my advice, we'd get along fine. But every time I tried to handle my food, my relationships, my finances, job promotions, the results were disastrous. I thought I was controlling them, but I wasn't. And the harder I tried, the worse it got. So I had to concede that my way wasn't working and that I needed, you know, a power greater than myself, whom I choose to call God, to run my life and to let me let go of the reins of control. And the reason I reached out for a big book guide to help me through the steps, it was that I had been in OA for 40 years, had experienced what I believed were long periods of abstinence, but I really was in denial. And I was never struck with that happy, joyous, and free promise. I hadn't experienced that completely new way of thinking that were promised sufficient to fully recover. And I, I think it's because I hadn't done the work exactly as these hundred men and women had done. And the people on this line showed me that they can be recovered and that life can be better if they just only did the work. So I started doing that about a year ago, and that feeling of uselessness and self-pity is disappearing. I'm starting to lose my fear of, you know, financial insecurity. Um, actually, I have a lot of peace in my life, just to name a few of the promises. And this time around, I'm experiencing, uh, I'm believing that the spiritual experience is on its way. It's going to come special delivery from God. And I'm going to stick close to my recovered fellows here in the meeting, especially close to my higher power, because he travels with me everywhere I go now. And this week I've been seeing uh, miracles happen that I just, no, I God, God incidences, they're not coincidences. And I know that if I continue this work and I live in this 10th, 11th, and 12th and keep my fit spiritual condition, um, I'm going to be relieved of this, this addiction for permanently. And I, like I say, I had been, you know, thinking I was abstinent for 14 years. I had maintained my weight, but I was still fighting the food and I didn't realize it. And so... Um, I recover, you know, when I recover, I can, I can show other people. I'm hoping that I have the opportunity to show other people that God can actually, uh, if we, you know, can um, 
if we can adopt a higher power of our own making, that God will do miracles in us. And I want to say that I always thought that this program was, you know, that this chapter here was for anybody but me. And I used to think, oh, I'm so glad I don't have that problem. I have a God in my life. And then it was shown to me that I had a God in my life, but he wasn't really my guide, and I didn't involve him in my decision-making. So I, I am doing that now, and I'm finding that it's very beneficial. It's very, it's a miracle that's happening in me, and I, it's not me doing it. It's coming from God directly. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy. And now we have Monica T. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. This is Monica T. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. So they've been giving us all kinds of ways to look at things a little differently. You know, you don't see what you really think you're seeing. And, uh, you know, da-da-da-da, are you willing to try something? How's your way working, Monica? So when I was reading this with my guide, we, she had me read the paragraph. And then she said to me, Monica, this paragraph is a sober test dry drunk, or I love to say, are you stark raving abstinent? And so she said, I want you to turn around now here, and I want you to personalize this paragraph. And so I'm just going to read this to you the way she had me read this. I had to ask myself why I shouldn't apply to my human problems the same readiness to change my point of view. I was having trouble with personal relationships, even abstinent. I couldn't control my emotional nature even abstinent. I was a prey to misery and depression, even abstinent. I couldn't make a living, even abstinent. I had a feeling of useful, uselessness, even abstinent. I was full of fear, even abstinent. I was unhappy, even abstinent. I couldn't seem to be of real help to other people, even abstinent. Was not a basic solution of these bedevilments. What are bedevilments? These troubles, these torments, you know? I, I was abstinent, but I was having all of this, all these torments. I was stark, raving, abstinent. So what's the solution to that? Is try something different. It was called work through the steps, Monica. And like has been pointed out, the opposite of these bedevilments are those beautiful promises, those nine-step promises that we get as a result of working steps one through nine and continuing 10, 11, and 12. So if I don't work my problem, my problem... <laughs> If I don't work my program, this is what I'm looking at. And this was what I was looking at. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Monica. What a good way to end our meeting today. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second re unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Nancy H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning again. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to us and to you. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.